do, do, do you want to do that real quick? Do you want to actually do the intro to the buyer enablement podcast? Yeah. So I, I like, I'll, I'll just do your intro since we're recording I'll do it right now. Welcome yeah. to the buyer enablement podcast with Josh freaking Fetty. He has Dale Dupree on today. Who's boring as hell. However, he's running the sales rebellion, which sounds cool. And because of that, we're going to talk to him because people will listen when they hear there's a rebellion, right? However, people will not listen when they hear the name Dale Dupree. He sounds like a race car driver. Nobody likes race cars. Here we go. Let's start the podcast. I love it, man. Welcome to the Buyer Enablement Podcast. You're not going to believe the guest we have. He even did the intro for me. But here's the thing. It's Feedy, Dale. It's Feedy. It's fine, though. You can call me Fetty Wop. You can call me Freddy. You can do whatever you want. Listen, we've had multiple guests call me all kinds of weird names. So don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. But listen, I am super jazzed to have you on. This is going to be the most savage episode of the Buyer Enablement Podcast that has ever, ever, ever happened. There's going to be a rebellion immediately after this podcast airs. I just know it. I know all the rebels are going to get out there and just go nuts. Um, listen, to get this guest on this podcast, you wouldn't believe what I had to do. I had to send him the breakup email. I had to. I had to send him the breakup message that said, listen, Dale, I've tried so many times and I'm not going to pester you any longer. If this just isn't your flavor, that's totally fine. I'm going to keep following your content. I still love you like a brother. But, you know, if you do want to be on, now's your last chance. Let me know. And he immediately responded. That's how I got him was the breakup message. So anyway, everybody help me welcome Dale to the podcast. Dale, give everybody a quick introduction. Who are you? What do you do? I'm the guy that had FOMO from your last message. It was like, yo, this is, this isn't good. I got to go on this podcast. And by the way, I freaking went to Google and typed your name in and had them pronounce it and was like, oh, I got, I got his name. I got his last name done. Like now I'm going to go on there and be like, this was wrong. Yeah, this, this is unacceptable. Sucked. I'm going to yeah. be talking to Google next week, actually, and I'm going to correct this issue. You know, and it so. was a freaking YouTube video of all things, too. I shouldn't yeah. have ever trusted it. That's like, you know, that now we're getting deep, right? That's like, you know, going into the dark web and pretending like everything's okay. But Dale Dupree, I, I am the founder and leader of the Sales Rebellion. I am formerly known as the Copier Warrior. I spent 14 years in the B2B space pushing boxes. Uh, but millions of boxes, uh, amassing not just wealth, but a very, very knit tight community, uh, which is what how I describe my wealth as the leader of the sales rebellion, relationships, people, uh, the ability to be able to impact and speak into others' lives, the ability not just to sell something, but to change the game for the individuals that we want to serve in the first place. So the sales rebellion stands for people over products, community over commission checks, experiences over performing pitches, and fellowship over negotiations. That's a little bit about me. I love that. Everybody knows exactly why, exactly why you're here right now, hearing that, right? That, that fits the theme of these shows so perfectly. But there's so many reasons I wanted to have you on here, Dale. Number one, um, I respect anybody that is fighting to make sales cool. I respect anyone that's fighting to make sales cool. Because listen to me, sales is the most badass profession you can possibly go into. Sales is a lifestyle. Sales is everything to me. I love working in sales, right? My mind works in a, it, it, it pulls me in a marketing way many times. And I got to fight that urge because I got to remind myself that, you know, I love how much I love sales and I don't want to get too far away from that. You are fighting every day to make sales cool. And you do make sales cool. The people that follow your content, everything you do in the sales environment 
is cool. The only thing you didn't do for me on this video was I was expecting the really cool backdrop that you have usually on your videos, but you know, it's fine. You're home today. Yeah. You know, I, I am home today and it, it's a crappy reason, but the freaking internet at my office isn't working with my <laughs> stupid laptop right now. I'm using all these bad words describing it like as if I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm actually really happy to be home spending time with my son, hanging with my wife. And unfortunately, Google Hangouts doesn't let me put a virtual background on here or else we would be in the mountains of the sales rebellion right now, but that's okay. There you go. That's actually part of why I use Google Meet for these calls because I'm so sick of those fake backdrops that cut people's ears off in a weird way and make your head look the wrong shape. I can't take it anymore. Like I am rallying against the fake backdrops right now. Hardcore. Never happening again. All right, before we get into this too much, um, one of the themes that I wanted to discuss with you, we're, okay, so this is the first time we've met. Let's just like put that out there. We, um, we've had some back and forth on LinkedIn over the years. I've joined some of the live sessions that you've been on with the hot wings and whatnots. Um, and so we've had some back and forth, but we've never actually met. Um, so I'm excited, number one, to be meeting you and having this actual conversation with you. We're a lot more similar than you know. For example, for example, other than both being just total badass salespeople and loving sales, we both have a background in music. Did you know that? You know, I think it's it's uh, it's Tim over at Hook Agency that Tim Brown, right? We both know him, correct? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I feel like at some point, either we were in a meeting where we were there was way too many of us, and you and I happened to be in there and we couldn't see each other or something. But I feel like at some point I heard, you know, like Josh and Dale were both in bands, like at some point yeah. in, in knowing yeah. Tim. So I, I kind of did, dude. But but was it heavy metal is the question. It wasn't metal, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. It was. Listen, I'm in Minnesota. What we do here is what they call alt country, which is rock and roll, right? Like the soul asylums, the Jayhawks of the world. That's what we do in Minnesota. You can't fault me. I just I grew up here. This is where I am. Um, metal was never my jam, but. We were both in music, and I, I say all the time that when I was in music, when I was learning how to use uh, the audio production tools, when I was learning how to be a performer on stage, those things so perfectly equipped me for the world that I live in today. And not just because I own this business, not just because I'm producing content. If I were just in sales, working for somebody else, those tools that I learned how to be an entertainer, how to use different softwares and to produce content, whatever the content is, have been so invaluable in my career. Have you found the same thing? Like, has this been something that's really been creeping up in the last couple of years in your own efforts as well? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, let, let, let's talk about that for a second. First off, Minnesota has metal, dude. We used to play there all the time. My favorite city was Duluth. Um, we used to play North Shore theater or something like that, I think. Uh, super cool spot. And then there was like a little bar that we played. I can't remember the name of it, but but first off, just to, to clarify that, okay, bro, it doesn't have to be alt country, rock and roll stuff. It can be some headbanging fun. But uh, th this is what I always tell, like people don't understand this about music. It's like every night I went and I had to like convince strange people that I was worth their time you know, to stand and listen to my music blaring through a speaker that they could hardly hear through for 30 plus minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And so really it was the experience that we gave people, not like how good it sounded, even in most cases, because for the most part, you know, like at these venues and, and playing these shows, it sounded like garbage because you, you were, you, even if you were an alt, you know, rock band or playing something softer, like 
you're not going to get the same experience as you get off of a, of a CD. And so people's attention spans are, are shorter, you know, all these things that apply back to sales, right? So, you know, every night I had to think of like, what's going to be something that's that not just like off the wall and outrageous, but like experiential for people that will speak to them and help them to say to themselves, I'm not going to get on my phone. I'm not going to stand here and talk to my friend. I'm not going to walk outside and smoke an entire pack of cigarettes, but instead I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen, I'm going to enjoy, and then I'm going to buy some merch afterwards, right? And so the other side of it was, you know, that every night you would show up into a strange city and do this, but then you had to come back if you wanted to be successful, right? So let's say you you showed up, and this is my favorite story to tell, you show up to, to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to the Spider Den, I think is what it was called, Spider something. And there's, yeah, it was weird. And there's and there's four kids in the audience and you're with two bands that are on labels, by the way, and like, you're not, which was us. We were just getting started, it was our first tour ever. And and four kids come in the room, right, to, to come to this show. And the first two bands are good and they play, right? And then and then they let you play third um, and then the local act plays last. And, and it's like, in your mind, you're thinking like, oh great, you're gonna, you're gonna like, try to get the four kids that are here to stay enough to watch you. Uh, and I got to play third. So it, it even felt strange in that moment. But guess what, dude, we played harder than we've ever played in our lives. And we did that every night. And those four kids, the next time we came back, turned into a hundred kids. And the next time we came back after that, it was like a massacre in the room of people that knew our music. And there was, it was, it was a lot of people. It was a bigger venue. It was more merch sold. It was building relationships, developing community and creating culture, you know, around us. And I, and I, again, I think that that's the separation is that people look at things like that and music and say like, well, that's like your personal life, right, man? Like, listen, there's not a rule in the book that says at eight o'clock, you're not allowed to be Dale Dupree. And, and, and at, at five o'clock, you get to check back into being Dale Dupree, right? Like it just, that's not how it works. So. Nope. nope. Yeah. I mean, anybody listening to this that wasn't in a band, I mean, you just accurately described it. And, and honestly, the parallels between being in a band and being in a, in any sort of customer facing role, going to networking events, right? All we're trying to do is create evangelists, right? Create people that, um, trust us enough to endorse us to other people, right? That's the same thing a band is doing, right? I remember the days in Minnesota, um, the big club that I used to love playing at was called the fine line and the fine line they loved to bring in these unsigned acts and they'd hand you a hundred tickets when you'd show up for your gig and they'd say, go walk up and down the street, get people in here. You actually don't get any money unless a hundred people show up for your set, right? And it was the same thing you're talking about. We'd be the last act on. It would be like 1130 at night by the time we get up on stage. And every other band before us was amazing and had hundreds and thousands of, of fans. And then those fans would come in for that set and walk out immediately after the set, unless you were walking the room and being like, please stick around. Like, if you like this, what do I got to do? Can I buy some champagne for this table? Like, what do I got to do to get you to hang out with us for a little bit? Right. But you're right, man. So many things. But on my end, I really started geeking out over the music production side of things. So I actually built a full Pro Tools studio in my house about, man, when was it? Like 15, 17 years ago. I mean, this was like nobody had this in their houses at that time, right? And I started learning how to use tools like Pro Tools. If I would have never learned how to use those, I could have never learned how to edit video the way I do today because it's really pretty much the same thing. And now in sales, content produ production as part of your personal brand strategy is so critically important. 
You either work for a company that uh, puts uh, talent behind helping their sales teams build their personal content and their personal brand, or you as a sales professional need to have a growth mindset and you need to learn how to use these tools and create this content yourself because that's so powerful. Is that something, I know you do a lot of sales training, a lot of coaching, a lot of events, right? Is that something that you've been talking to a lot of companies about recently? The thing that I think nobody understands is the power of your voice and the power of the internet. And, and really, like, I also don't think that people connect the dots between, I think people look at TikTok and they go, oh, it's a bunch of silly kids doing silly stuff. Well, there's a, there's a kid on there, right, that like worships those kids. And I'm not saying that's okay. What I am saying is that, you know, if, if Brandon, the weird guy that does the weird dance that started a trend of him, you know, like crawling upside down on the ceiling, is at a restaurant and some kid recognizes him, he's going to be, he's going to walk over and be like, yo, let me get your autograph. Like what, you know, there's this concept of brand building that I think people kind of just miss in general. And that goes back to, you know, us and our band days and why we understand it, you know, because messaging is important. Presence is important. You can't just put a website up and like put a sign on it that says buy our stuff and, and people show up. Like you've got to give people experiences through your website. You know, we're, we're, you've, you, we're, we're always often, I should say, thinking to ourselves that the, the time is now and, and we need it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and yeah. So people are also not looking as content at, at content or branding in general, like the visibility side of it is long-term, right? How do you show up in this moment? But then also how do you build on that for the next 50 is the, yeah. the thought process that I'm usually running myself through and also what we're teaching people. Cause let's, let's go, let's go hardcore sales real quick. If you got a rep and he's got 3000 people in his territory and he's picking up the phone every day and dialing, 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 and, and then he's got a competitor and she also has the same 3000 accounts in her territory and she's dialing, dialing, dialing. And then, and then one day she goes, this sucks. I don't really like doing this. You know, like, is there a better way? And then all of a sudden she takes the 3000 and she puts it down to 50. Now, meanwhile, her competitor over here is still calling the five, the 3,000 people, but she goes down to 50 and starts ultra focusing in on these people, right? She's, she'll attract them and maybe they don't respond back to her right away. And that's where your brand, that's where your content, that's where your voice is powerful because leaving somebody a message saying, hi, this is Stacy, call me back. I want to sell you something isn't going to work anymore. It never yeah. really did in the first place. It only caught people in weak moments and got them to respond, you know, because of the fact of the matter that it was somewhat normal at the time and harder to find things like a copier company on the internet or a phone provider on the internet, right? Well, now it's at the literal fingertips of people and they don't need you anymore because of it. So you reaching out doesn't really make a dent in the way that they look at the marketplace. But the message that that you have, the brand that you that you are pursuing and also uh, you know, putting out there, reflecting off of yourself, right? The reputation, I think is what it really comes down to at the, at the end of the day that you're building is what is truly going to create more success for salespeople. So true. I think about this a lot. Um, one of the big, one of the big pet peeves that so many people have with sales professionals is that they send them these emails that just say, just checking in, just checking in. Did you, did you, did you have any, did you have any questions? Right. And it's like, God, stop it. Don't just check in. You got to bring value with every touch point. But what I love about building a personal brand and about producing content 
And trying to produce content that speaks to your audience, that's kind of the key, right? Like make sure that your content is speaking to your ideal audience and your ideal buyer because that's hopefully what they're gonna is gonna resonate with them. But if you do that right, that is so much better of a checking in, of a just uh, of a touch point, right? Because if they go to LinkedIn, they're not gonna miss you. They're gonna be reminded of you pretty frequently. When you're producing content at a good clip, um, I've had many people tell me, dude, you're always on the top of my feed every time I go into LinkedIn. And I'm like, well, that's by design. That's why I put out this stuff, right? Like I want to be there. You're the same, Dale. Every time I go into LinkedIn, it's like you're either at the top of my feed or I don't have to scroll too long before I'm going to come across something of yours, right? But I think beyond that, one of the things I wanted to touch upon with you is I think a lot of people are looking at this personal branding, this content production, and they're not, they're not drawing the lines between like, what do I, what value do I actually bring into this world? What things should I actually be speaking about? What things am I actually qualified to be speaking about? They just kind of do the whole, let's just get started mantra and they just go, go, go. And they just see what comes out of it. But where I see people having the most success is when they're speaking about things that they are actually knowledgeable about, number one, but number two, when it's emotional, when it pulls us into who the person is as a person, because that's the most important thing that I think people should be looking at is how am I actually properly communicating who am I as a person? And Dale, you do a really good job of this. I mean, you've had some very uh, emotional posts on LinkedIn, right? People know your story if they follow you. Now, is this something that you thought out in advance or is this just something that just happened organically in your story. Yeah, I think that for me, it is organic. And I think that for most people, it should be. I think the problem is we put so much pressure on ourselves in general, like I'm not good enough, or I don't know what people will think of this, or I don't like the way I sound. So why would other people, or I read this back 500 times and it just doesn't really speak to me the way that I was hoping it would. And so why would it speak to other people? we're constantly doubting ourselves. We're like our own worst enemy in general as people. And, and then society makes it harder to believe in yourself on top of that. Right. So we won't get into the weeds on that. But for, again, like for me, it's, it is natural because I go to the, to a place of vulnerability and, and that's what I was taught. I was taught by my dad that the best place, like when somebody is in a position of, you know, on the outside looking in and saying to you, Hey man, I think that these are some things that you could work on and change for yourself that not to be upset, not to be demotivated, but to sit back and say, how does that make me feel more so than just being offended by it or getting defensive toward it? But instead, like, how does it really make me feel? And, you know, does it make me feel different, right? Does it in, in a good, in a bad way? Like, <laughs> does it make me feel that this person doesn't know me very well, you know, obviously? And, and then when I start to ask myself those questions, then I can say, well, am I translating who I am appropriately? Am I, am I, am I able to, to really help somebody to understand Dale Dupree and where he comes from and what's important to him? Or am I leading with some type of agenda and am I putting pressure on myself and, and, you know, being my own worst enemy in these moments and curating things to the point of perfection and that it actually ruins, you know, the content, it ruins the message, it ruins how other people will perceive it. Like I want to elicit an emotion and anything and everything that I do. And I think all humans should feel that way because it'll help you to be better. 
as a human. It'll help me to be better as a communicator and as a human as well. Right. And then it'll grow a bond between us. You know, like, it's like you were saying earlier, Josh, like we have a lot in common and we've never really hung out and never really met. And like, you know, the, going back to your, to your message and not seeing your first one and then seeing your second one, even I, I even read the second one, went back to the first one was like, this is my guy. Like this is part, this is my tribe. Like I got to get with this dude, you know, because first off he's been persistent. And secondly, I just went to his profile and I went through his content and, and I looked at his company real quick and I'm like, yeah, you know, so like taking time out of our day as well too, in the process, you know, as the person that's receiving the content or receiving the messaging is also important. So, you know, I think that if we can play that out in our head and say, all right, well, if I write this, is it really going to draw somebody out of their comfort zone and cause them to risk and cause them to think differently and cause them to also like be curious and look further and feel relevance and feel familiarity. There's a lot of little, little tiny emotions that we can spark that are much more like heart centric and love centric and soul centric than they are logic centric. Logic is the, is like the, the key to, to never connecting with somebody as I always put it. And, and yeah. I, and I think that that's the difference, right? Is that it's not so much about it that, that it's organic or that it comes from the heart or, you know, like there's no, all the keyword phrases and, and the, you know, the, the fluffy stuff that I could, that I could stay right now, like doesn't really truly define how deep it goes because I believe that I have a purpose on this earth and I'm driven by that purpose. And because of that simple statement, in fact, that goes extremely deep for me. I can, I can get down on some content and say, this is how I feel and not question it and not be worried about whether or not I sound okay or that people will hear me, but instead trust myself and trust that what I'm doing and what I'm building is going to be relatable to other people, but also be intentional around trying to build something that is inclusive, that, that does seek to change the game in the way that people do for themselves as well too. Yeah, it's great, man. So you, you mentioned the word heart. One of my recent guests was an author, um, Larry Levine. Yeah, and, one of my mentors. Well, there you go. So some of the things he talks about have clearly rubbed off on you. Do you know what he said to me when he was on the, the show? He said to me that his, he started in copier sales. And he said that that is the hardest sales gig out there. Agree or disagree? Third, it falls into the top three is what I'd say. I don't disagree, but it falls into the top three. That's always been my stance on it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really interesting that he said that. But what I also thought was interesting, one of the things, it made me think of you immediately because I knew that this was going to be coming up, that we were going to be recording. And I, I read a lot of the things that you put out and, and you speak about your father um, in, in such a, a great way. So many times on LinkedIn, Larry got into sales basically to defy his parents. I mean, it wasn't to defy his parents, but his parents were like, they were the type that wanted him to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? Why would you be a dirty salesperson? Why would you go into a career like that? Like this was, this was like the worst of the worst that could possibly happen to their son was him going into sales, right? And he told the story about how he told his, his family that he was going to go into sales and the, just how upset he could tell his father was just looking at him, right? When he was going into it. You, on the other hand, had an incredible mentor in your father who was in sales and brought you kind of into this ecosystem. What was that like? I mean, look, my dad was an auto mechanic. 
So, you know, he taught me about sales just by me watching how he worked with his customers, right? He had his own business. So just watching the way he treated his customers and allowed them to be later on payments, but still take their vehicles when he was done working on it, those sorts of things that taught me about putting people first, always putting your customer first, how you treat people and salesmanship. But I didn't have a mentor that I could literally walk side by side in when I got into my sales career because I started selling things that he had never even thought about doing in his life, right? What was that like having that kind of a mentor right there with you? I mean, it's life-changing, right? That and that <clears throat> I, can, I I love uh, being able to relate to you on just like growing up in the family business though too, you know, like I think of wandering the halls of my father's office and just how romantic that is even for myself now, Ooh. like to look back on it and say, what a cool opportunity. And yeah. like, I, I hope to do it for my son who's sitting here on the table, you know, bouncing around and, you I know, and hopefully, hopefully these are parts of those moments, you know, like for him to be able to be like, yeah, dad worked from home. And, and because I, I also, you know, in learning my dad's business and understanding his mentorship and what it was that he was creating, I also took a lot of values along with me as well. Like, such as like, spending quality time with the kids. My dad was always home by five thirty, six o'clock, no matter what, every freaking day. And and he always had once a month he took us on a on a date, you know, every every month, right? He was very consistent with us. He he nurtured the relationship with us and he desired our full and, and complete growth as individuals in our own enlightening way, right? Where he could guide us toward principles and and ethics and morals, but also be okay with the outcomes that we sought for ourselves and, and the ways and means that we did it as well too, as long as again, that it, it valued the principles of servant leadership. And so that was really what my, what encompassed, you know, the, the growth, you know, in the relationship between me and my father was that, that my dad was just always serving, serving me, serving the community, serving everybody. And, and the process of like watching that happen and, and being able to be involved in it made me like extremely attracted to selling a copy machine in the first place. Like, why is this, why is my dad have such a good life doing something that seems so ridiculous, right? <laughs> and, and sitting back and like getting to know that better and, and being a part of it, you know, was a huge piece of the puzzle in general. And, and it changed the game for me, bro. So like, so copiers were, were life and they always will be life. You know, I still like sort of work into the industry to some extent, like in training it because, you know, it's just, it's part of the process of, for me of like, what's normal, right? Like even ha having my son, like come in here and chill with me <laughs> during a podcast like this feels normal because my dad normalized it and the way that he raised us and taught us how to, how to work. So I, I love copiers. People, a lot of people are, are like, man, you must be happy to be out of it. And, and sure, the rat race of it for sure. But, but no, I'm not, I'm not like, yeah, I'm so stoked to be out of copy machines, right? Like for me, it's, it's always going to have a special place in my heart that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, that's great. Anybody that's listening to the podcast and not watching the video, that was a child. That was a child climbing right up onto his dad's lap, staring right into the camera it's, it is such a, it's such a crazy time that we're going through right now. So many of us, you know, it's not just the entrepreneurs. It's not just the business owners that are running their small businesses from home anymore. Literally all of us are running are conducting business from home right now. And, you know, being around our families so much more than we used to. And we're learning uh, just how important that was, because I think that, you know, it sounds like you were brought up to understand 
that it's important to be home at a certain time, right? That it's important to be there for those people. Um, I was brought up in a slightly different way. Like my parents were always there for me. My parents were absolutely incredible. My dad was one of the hardest working people I've ever known in my life. Um, and he had, uh, he had various shops, but at one point his shop was in our house. We bought a house with a big four car garage. We removed the rafters. We put a lift in so you could literally lift cars into the ceiling and work underneath them. It was really crazy, but he would work until 9 PM at night some days, right? Because these jobs just had to get done. People needed their cars back. Right. And it just really instilled in me, um, the, appreciation for what it means to work really hard. Um, and at the same time, it allowed my mother to be an incredible mother because he was able to, uh, support us in a way that allowed her to really be the caregiver that we would turn to throughout the day. So really incredible stuff, but like, dude, respect the fact that look at your son, just having a time, the time of his life over there. He's got dad at home with him, right? He's um, a happy dude, for sure. It's good. It's good. My <laughs> real quick story. My son, when I first started working from home, when the pandemic hit, um, my kids think that I'm a YouTube celebrity. That's what they think I do for a living because all they do is see me making videos all the time and they don't, they don't realize that nobody's actually watching them, but um, they just think I must be a YouTube celebrity, right? And so there was a day I was home when the, when the pandemic first hit and my son came into my office and I had a Zoom call going with some prospects. I'm on a sales call and he walks into the room without a t-shirt on uh, with little short shorts on and he starts doing a stupid dance in the background and doing weird things with his tongue. He's like 11 years old, right? He's just being goofy. And I just turned around and I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just making your video funnier. And I said, do you realize all those faces that I see on my screen are my customers? Can you get out of here? And I think it's been really fun for our children to be able to see what we actually do for a living when we're not home, right? So I think that's been my favorite part. All right. Um, listen, you've been working with, okay, so real quick, like fully explain exactly what you do with companies for the people that are listening here. Just real quick. Yeah, we help them rebel. And the and the 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 statement itself is defined by the identity of truly helping a sales team to grow and and not just grow but to flourish um, you know so success being something that's enjoyable that creates fulfillment um, you know that that is defined not just by leadership either but by its people and what it is that that they all are in agreement toward you know accomplishing right so and not to say that we walk into companies and <laughs> rearrange their entire sales process right or their culture but we influence it for sure we help people to, from a leadership standpoint, we help managers to understand, you know, maybe your cadences with your people could change a little bit to accommodate them better. Maybe, you know, the way that you run one-on-one -on -one meetings could be, you know, gamified to an extent instead of being, all right, how's your week? Okay, your numbers. And by the way, you didn't do these things. And, but instead, you know, creating activities, creating experiences, the same way that our prospects would want to be treated, same way that our, our, our spouses would want to be treated, same way our friends would want to be treated. You know, we treat our employees and I get it. You know, there still has to be a relationship there that, that is focused around, what we're building, right? So you can't let somebody slack off and and just do nothing, you know, because we have a friendship with them. You still have to have hard conversations and and tell people at certain points, like, yo, look, you got to pick up the slack here. And do, but you know, asking them, like, do you know why? Do you recognize why? Can you and can you tell me? 
you know, so that so that you can be in line with their culture, right? But but outside of teams, you know, too, we take on individuals. And for both, you know, we we focus on prospect and we focus on outreach concepts. We focus on how to change the game around those things more than anything. A lot of people will come in and sit down and say, here's our formula. We've been doing it for years and this is the way the sales world does it or this is our unique way that we've taught to 10,000 people. They just leave that part out. We come in and we analyze, you know, an existing sales platform that people are on, a process that they have, and we help them rebel in their own way, right? Not in ours. We say, well, let's take some principles that we believe um, that have created set success, not just for ourselves and our company, but also for the people within our company and the people that we train. And, and let's discuss. And, and so we go over mindset concepts. We go over the identity of what communication truly is, you know, between our prospects, uh, you know, our brand, how it, how it speaks, you know, what language, what love language we're, we are putting out there for the buyer to see in the first place and to take the labels away. Like the buyers is Karen and Tom, you know, they're people. And so we help, we help the process in general, just to come down to, you know, more of a humanized state. You know, one of the first things we do is tell a sales rep when we, we get them started to name their system. You know, there's not a lot of people out there. I, I think that really do that in the first place, but you know, when someone says, what's your process like? And you say, Oh, I do the spin cell or I do the Sandler cell or, you know, and, and in the, and we call it the rebel way, but we call it the rebel way because it's not about the rebellion. It's about you, the rebel. And, and we want you to turn it into your own thing, right? So, so giving people more ownership over the process, you know, giving people more of an identity and what it is that they're building. And then, and then also, you know, just instead of saying, you have to do this, you have to do that, but asking them, hey, if you were the buyer, right? If you were Karen, what would you expect in this process? What would you desire in this process? What, and, and have you ever asked that person, you know, that question as well. So not only do you need to reflect, but if you ever asked that person, you know, why <laughs> or dug in deeper into, you know, the discovery instead of just having the 10 questions that you need answered. Right. So we put a spin on it that just humanizes the process that nobody else is doing. I went and took all the classes online and before I started this and I'd been doing sales training my whole career to some extent, I believe in personal development. And, and I think the thing that I always disagreed with the most is that everything's a play that if somebody talks about empathy, they do it in a way that's like, this is a play. If somebody's like, yeah, change your questioning technique. And they say something like genuinely change your questioning technique. But then they say, let me introduce you to the four steps to have it done, you know? And it's like, okay, well, is that genuine? Like that, that to me doesn't seem to be, but if we help people understand at the core, the value behind it, the intrinsic value as well too, right? That then speaks to the prospect and the prospect sees the same intrinsic value while getting extrinsic value from the outcomes that you provide for them through the advice, through the product, whatever that looks like, right? So, you know, we've got four main products as we like to say it, the rebel factions, uh, the Rebel Leader Program, the Rebel Legacy Program, and then we we do team coaching. You know, and and the the identity of that is pretty simple, bro. It's you know bring us fifty of your people, you know, out of the two hundred you have, and watch them turn into the A team, um, and then we'll help the others. <laughs> you know, from that perspective. But but you know things like creating a living pipeline, things like creating a rebel invasion. You know, lots of little pieces of the puzzle that we've curated ourselves that we even gamify, you know, in, in our own teaching and the way that we provide it to people, you know, there's, there's just more to it when it comes to working with the rebellion because sales training is boring, it's stale and it sucks. And for the most part, people are just yelling at you that our sales trainers do this, do that, 
you know, get on the phone, bang out 150 dials. Like it doesn't really get you anywhere other than the identity of being able to say, I worked hard, you know, and, and I'm not a fan or a proponent of this ideology that somehow if you work 100 hours a week, you're going to get further than me in life because you're not. Because that 100 hours a week, all you're pushing toward is some kind of monetary or aesthetic success. And meanwhile, I'm over here, you know, deep into my feelings and emotions and, and my purpose, which is connecting with other people in the same process. And I'm not saying that I spend 20 of my 40 hours a week, like in meditation by any means either, but I am saying that I spend it connecting with people, truly understanding them. Instead of saying, I've got 3000 people to call, I say, I'm going to get a no from these 50 right here that no one else in the company that's ever been through here has ever been able to get a hold of even. I'm going for the hardest group and I'm gonna get in touch with each one so that there's fulfillment for me, fulfillment for the company and that I land a whale that everybody said couldn't be done. You know, So it's the ideology or the identity, I should say, of choosing legendary and rising up as we say it inside of the, the rebellion itself. It's so great, man. I mean, and this is why people get into sales, right? It's just those stories, the thrill of, I don't even want to use the word, but the thrill of the hunt, right? Like I, I almost hate using that kind of terminology when I'm talking about sales, because again, it, it, it goes away from what you were saying right here. Let's give a name to your, to the prospect. Let's give a name to your process, right? It's so much better than just, you know, I'm hunting or I'm farming or like, I'm going to go kill it. I'm going to like all the, we use all of these very harsh terms in sales. People do. Right. And I think that we do need to get away from that. I think that we need to start considering, you know, who, that these are people that we're talking to. This is exactly why we started this podcast. This is um, because when I started my business, we were talking about buyer enablement and people were going, what the heck is, what are you talking about? Right. Do we need another buzzword? Right. But you're talking about buyer enablement right now. You're talking about when you, when you mention, have you ever asked your customer what they would expect in this situation? Well, how many sales professionals listening right now can say they have? I, and I guarantee it's a very small percentage, unfortunately. Like that's the reason we need to be talking about these types of things. Right. Um, and, I, and, and thank you for going in deep on just how everything is structured, because I think it's important for people to understand like who you are and what you do uh, as a professional, right? So that the things that you say resonate even more for them and it causes them to make that change. What I love about you is you're a sales trainer that can actually sell. And that is also, unfortunately, a bit of a rarity. There's a lot of sales trainers out there that if you gave them a phone and you said, call these 50 companies, like you just said, that nobody else has been able to even get on the phone and, and you know, you're going to get 50 no's, go do it. They, they'd probably end up in a puddle of tears on the floor by the end of the day. Right. I mean, it would just destroy them because this unfortunately is something they have and actually had to do. A lot of people are really good about talking about how to do things, right? That's easy. It's easy to talk about how to do it but actually doing it is the hard part. So, you know, I, I love that. I respect that about you. And I think that it's great. And I think that it's amazing. Like your, the sales rebellion, this was founded just in 2019, correct? Like this is just a couple years old, right? But the, 
the exposure that you've created out of this is spreading like crazy. Like I feel like I've been seeing stuff about this for a really long time. And I, and I think you probably started doing stuff around this before you officially launched, because I feel like for the last five years of my life, I've been seeing messaging about this from you, but maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe it just feels that way, but you've done a really good job of kind of spreading that word. I joined your Slack group recently. So any sales uh, rock stars out there that are, are you still taking people in? I don't know. Did yeah. you close it? Right, it's a, it's still open. It's just like, you know, if you can find it, it's kind of where we're at at this point. Like, try to find <laughs> it. We'll see if you can find it. So if, you, if you're looking to join a Slack channel with, with some other sales rebels out there, uh, it's a good one so far. You got, I mean, I, I, there's tons of people signing up on this thing. Like, it's been so busy. Every time I go back into it, it's like, well, there's too many messages for me to even go through. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to leave now because this is just too much for me to take in, right? But I think it's yeah. a good movement. So, <laughs> right. So, you I, know, and like to your point, like the people that truly want to be there will like, they'll, they'll be like, oh, it's Friday. I don't have anything left to do. I've got an hour break. I'm going to catch up in this thing and, and see what's in here. Or the other side of it too is, is that like we have such meaningful conversations happening that if you did just jump in, that you don't really need to go too far back. You just got to see like what's the last thing someone said. And, yeah. and, and that'll, that'll be what I think changes the game for people in general, bro. And by the way, like we're, we're right now developing a, we have a Twitch channel created and we're right now developing live streaming that will go to LinkedIn and YouTube and everything else that that'll be like a three to four hour event, at least twice a month. We're trying to shoot for four, uh, where me and all the coaches are selling, um, instead of, you know, the typical lives that happen these days where, you know, interviews and whatnot are good, but I think people really need something different, something fresh, something new. And, and so we're, we're a media company. Like that's how we look at it. Like we look at ourselves as like a big, you know, production. And so we've got internal people that help with those types of things, you know, full time now. And, and it's, it's taking off from that perspective, but I love how you pointed out that, you know, not every sales trainer knows how to sell. And this is the other side to that. What I'll say, bro, is that I get in the trenches with my students. So if they're like, yo, I can't get in touch with this person. I'll go call them up, put me on a three way dial, call them up, be quiet when they pick up. And, and I'll show them like, this is what you do. And even if I don't even know their product, like the back of my hand, like they might, or like should at least, uh, sales isn't about the product, right? It's about the connection. It's about what we can create with another human being. So for me, it's just, it's all basic, right? And I don't mean to like play it down by any means, but it's all just the basics. Like dribbling the ball is the most important thing in basketball, but nobody ever really talks about that. They're just like, yeah, you see this, this, this dude had 50 points. Well, he has to master the basics to have those 50 points in the first place, right? You know, so there's there's comfort in that, there's consistency in that, there's persistency in that, but there's also just this understanding of at the at the base level, who are people and how can we accommodate them? You know, it's that simple, bro. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. I think I mean this is a great way to end it out too, but what I would what I would congratulate you on with what you're doing with your business is I love the flexibility. I love the flexibility in the curriculum, right? So many sales trainers kind of have their process and this is the way it goes and this is how sales works. And it's clear that you are the, the kind of guy that knows that every sale is unique. Every, every customer is unique. Every company's process needs to be unique. Um, and these, this is an, an important distinction that I think more people need to start realizing. It isn't always cut and dry, right? And I think that that uh, flexibility in your curriculum is what's setting you up for success right now because I can't, I can't believe how much sales has changed 
I can't believe how much sales has changed in the last 11 months. I really, dude, seriously. When I started building the product that we built, I was screaming from the rooftops. We need to be better in a digital space as salespeople. We need to think like marketers at times. We need to organize content. This landing page and video will be incredible. And people were looking at me like, like, what are you talking about? Are you, what language are you speaking? This doesn't make sense. Can't I just take them out for another burger? Can't I just, what, what's the problem with the way that I'm selling, right? And then COVID hit and dude, it was like, people were reaching out to me going, I, I should have listened to you six, nine months ago. What is happening right now, right? Now we have to have your product. Now we have to be focused on using video in our communications use in, in multiple ways, right? Either it's live like this, or I'm making a video follow-up after the meeting. I need to be better about organizing materials. I'm saying them like everything exploded, but it was so, it's so insane how much this profession has changed in just 11 months. How much has that shifted in your trainings? Like, have you been walking into groups where people are just looking at you like, please, God, help me? Like, how do I how do I do my job today? Well, I think we were also very proactive about it. You know, maybe we are twins. I don't know. But we, you know, because of my copier days and the things that I accomplished, I already knew that experiences were the most important thing. And so like developing augmented reality for our company, which is still, you know, it's not live, but it's, and it's still in the works. But um, our first book, my first book that I co-wrote with my, my founder, Jeff, uh, Viegas, it, it will have VR in it or AR in it. Right. So, so you can, you can literally see that we practice what we preach, but furthermore, you know, like the stuff that we were creating and, and developing and showing people like, Hey, here's some tools that we use as salespeople to, to connect better and to, to transcend the typical patterns of the sales uh, process and to not, choose to be mediocre, but to rise into the occasion and meet the buyer where they are and, and develop something that's worth their while. You know, that's the most important piece of the puzzle, right? That, that people just kind of already knew before we even walked in the door that everything that's about to be said is, is already really where it needs to be from the perspective of how we're going to turn our sales department inside out because it's not upside down, right? It's just like reverse engineering the process and saying, okay, well, if this is the new way that we have to sell, you know, we got to start at the end result and we got to create something from there. And, and I, I think that it's been very simple for a lot of people. You know, we've got a student, um, his name's Juan. I'm not going to say his last name just in case um, he's, he's not ready for me to start doing that, but he works, he works very closely with us. And listen, let me just say this to anybody listening. This young man drops a lot of money on himself monthly to be with us. Like that we're not an expensive sales training. Like it's, it's kind of elite from that perspective. Like we're not trying to do that, but we know what kind of results we get. And so people have to trust us on their way in. And that's how we really truly develop long lasting and impactful friendships with these people as well too, because they might be nervous even coming in when they make the decision. But after the first month, they're like, these are my people and they're going to take good care of me because again, we bring the pain and this young man right now is, you know, setting, you know, speaking to is what I should say during his call blocks up to eight to 10 people while only prospecting for 25 to 35 at a time. And the thought of that for most sales bins in general, it, like if there's a sales leader listening, it's like, what? Like, nah, you're lying. Right. But, and you can, you can talk to this kid, like I'll hook it up. Anybody that wants to call my bluff. Right. But He's only one of 250 plus, bro. There are many success stories coming out of here. He's just my top guy right now from that perspective, right? And 
And what I would say, he came in knowing that we would have the tools and, and the ability to be able to elevate him from a digital landscape to be able to put him in front of the right people and still use the phone effectively on top of it, right? So to me, man, it's just, it's natural. Like we should have already been here. What is wrong with people, right? That's how I feel deep in my heart. Like what have we been waiting for? It is 2021 and we still set up boiler rooms for sales departments. I mean, it's insane to think of how just backwards we are inside of this industry and this vertical. It's time for change. It's time for rebellion. And we have to lead it individually one at a time until there's a million people out there that are making it the status, the new status quo. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, this is another similarity that we have right here is I feel like when you get to a point where you truly know something, where you truly like you've mastered an art of whatever your art is, whatever your craft is, it is your responsibility to give back. It is your responsibility to take people with you. And I recently received uh, one of the famous connect and sells on LinkedIn that everybody likes to bitch and moan about all day long. And I'm not here to do that because here's the thing. Salespeople need to learn. They need to learn, right? Like we all did it. We all did spammy stuff when we were trying to learn how to sell, right? And we have to give people grace. But I recently received an email or a LinkedIn connection from a, a, a young kid. I won't say his name. And he started out beautifully. He said, Josh, I was looking at your company um, and, and some of the stuff that you do on LinkedIn. And I have a question for you. And I responded to him and said, I, I love it. How can I help? Right? That right there was me opening the door. I, listen, this, I'm not going to say this in an arrogant way, but to anyone on the outside looking at my LinkedIn profile, I am the CEO of a company, right? That, that's just what my profile says. I'm the CEO of a company. So if you're going to reach out to me and ask me uh, a question, like, let's use this opportunity, right? Like, I'm not actually a big deal. I'm a CEO of a small company that I started, right? I can have whatever title I want. But to him, he doesn't know that from the outside, Right. So he reaches out to me, how can I, and I say, how can I help? And he immediately hits me with the pitch. And I wrote back and all I said was, please don't sell this way. And he responded and he said, what do you mean by this way? And usually I just walk away, but for whatever reason, I was in the mode that day. And I wrote him back a pretty long response. And it was, it was not angry. It wasn't rude. It wasn't mean. It was very much just coaching, right? I understand that you have a quota. I understand... How, how, what, what's going on here, but let me just educate you here on where you went wrong. You asked me uh, a that you said, you said you have a question. I asked how I can help. And instead of you just asking me something thought provoking, uh, Hey, I want to get into content production. What kind of camera are you using? Or, Hey, how did you think of that theme of that thing that you just wrote the other day? That was great, right? Anything. It doesn't matter if you mean it, just anything. And I, and I walked him through it. And instead of him being angry when I was done, he said, I really appreciate that. I'm going to take that to heart. I had looked at his profile and I had seen he had only been in sales for two months. And I told him, I said, I know that you have a quota and I know that you have a sales manager that's like telling you to just regurgitate this shit in front of people all day long. But please, like you are hurting our profession. We've both decided to be sales professionals. And the more people act this way on channels like this, it makes it harder for the people that are doing it the right way. And so I'm just asking you kindly, like, look at this and take it to heart. He, uh, he actually kept going back and forth with me, with me for a while, but then two weeks later, he wrote me a, a note and he said, Josh, I actually implemented the things that you told me. And, um, he said, I've already landed two deals because of that. Okay. And 
brought me a ton of joy. Now, usually when you respond to these spammers on LinkedIn, it doesn't go that direction. We both know that, right? So be careful, be cautioned. But it made me feel great at the end of the day that a young up and coming hustler in sales was willing to be a sponge for just a moment to step away from the stuff that his sales manager was telling him was, you know, job number one is just use this message, use this message, do this, right? And now he's seen some success. And now, who knows? Maybe three years from now, I'll actually have a, a, a conversation with this kid when he moves on to a place that I can actually use his service, right? Now we're building a friendship and that's good, right? But you got to do this. And this is why you have this. This is why you have the business that you do. This was instilled by your father. All those learnings, all those teachings, these are things that you just want to keep paying forward in the world. And I respect the hell out of that. I love it. And I hope that people that are listening, you're not the cheapest one out there. But if you're not ready to invest in yourself, then what the hell are you investing in? right? You got to invest in yourself before you invest in anything else, right? So reach out to my boy, Dale. If you're looking for any help in sales, reach out to my boy, Dale. Um, and you know, list he's dropping content all day long. So just follow him on LinkedIn and you'll learn a whole hell of a lot right there. Is there anything you want to leave people with here, Dale? I'm sure you got a meeting coming up right this second. Yeah, but who cares? We're doing good things, you know? I would just tell people that there's more out there than what you've perceived sales to be for yourself. To sit back and recognize, you know, based on this conversation, based on your existing walk, based on your experiences, based on what you want to accomplish, to reevaluate how it is that you're getting there in the first place. To remember that a rebellion is not something, you know, violent or, you know, we're not protesting something that is that is good, even for that matter, right? We are taking to heart the ideology of what it is that humans need more than anything, which is to lead with hope, to lead with change, to understand that we've been called for something greater, that the box we live in needs to be broken because there's too much control in that. And that we are free spirits as human beings, especially as salespeople, to rise up, to, to denounce the status quo and to, to leave the, the skin of the mediocrity behind, shed it. And just and to rebel. That's what I would tell people to do. And I, I would I would say I appreciate you, Josh, also for having me on the show. I'm freaking stoked and pumped to have been here. I'm I'm really taking a lot from this conversation, and I'm grateful for your leadership. Oh, thanks, man. So listen, that's the end of the show. But we're gonna end this one on the same bang that we started this show. I'm putting you on the spot. We need the outro, dude. Make sure to let people know to follow and to like and all those sorts of things. But let's get the Dale Dupree. Buyer Enablement Podcast outro. Here we go. Thanks for joining the show. We have just made you 100,000 times better than you were before you hit play. And if you want to be 100 million times better, listen to every stinking podcast episode available right now. Dude. <laughs> There we go. You can't go out any better than that. Thank you so much for being my guest, man. I hope this is the start of truly a friendship. Um, we need to we need to find each other in the world more. Um, and then hopefully someday when we can actually find each other in the world, we can find each other in the world. But for now, we'll stay we'll stay where we're at. Um, say hey to the family. Uh, I love that kid. I love that kid just jumping in. That was that was the highlight, man. I was hoping he was going to come back. I was going to ask him some questions, but you know he's he's gone. He's he's playing Legos or Hot Wheels or something at this point, right? Or getting into something he shouldn't be. It doesn't matter. I'm going to let you get back to your day, brother, but thank you so much for being on here. It was truly an honor for me. So I, I hope everybody found a lot of value in this as always. Um, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with a new one. So have a good rest of your day.
拜。